Welcome to Pebble in the Pond, a podcast that hopes to create a ripple of change for mental health. My name is Sam Stewart and I'm the CEO of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. Each year I have the pleasure of attending events to meet and connect with the most fascinating and accomplished people in mental health. Listen in as I go one-on-one with the people changing the face of mental health in Australia and New Zealand, from lived experience speakers through to researchers, academics and influential industry leaders. Our Pebble in the Pond podcast episodes may contain themes or topics of discussion that may be triggering to some listeners. If you feel you need assistance with your mental health at any time, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit the Get Help page for additional resources at anzmh.asn.au. Hello listeners and thanks for tuning in to our podcast for another episode. The psychological impacts of bullying go far beyond hurt feelings, with persistent bullying leading to depression, anxiety and contributing to feelings of suicidal behaviour. One man committed to speaking up and speaking out is this week's guest, Dacker Danes. Dacker grew up in the beautiful surfing community of Cronulla in Sydney. His adult years have seen him live all around Australia and throughout Europe, where he's had a successful fashion photography career. Dacker helped with the creation of Brisbane Fashion Month in its early days and has been riding since he was a young man. An avid surfer, Dacker learned to surf before he could even spell. He went through years of intense and systematic bullying that slowly led to taboo medical issues. In his debut novel, Danyan, Dacker blurs, blurs the lines between what happens in the mind of someone who has been bullied for a long period of time. He was able to survive suicide and make it through to tell this tale. Danyan touches on his own experiences along with others carefully wound together to form a fictional tale based on true events. This read is not only confronting but provides hope for anyone suffering the same issues. Dacker's mission is to reach as many people as he can with his stories as no matter where he grew up bullying does not discriminate and so much is at stake when you use your words to another, as you never know if that person is about to take their own life. Tune in as Daka joins us to talk about his personal experience with bullying, its psychological impacts, and how he uh, is actively speaking out to others who may be faced with a similar situation. All right, thanks very much for joining me today, uh, Daka Danes. Thanks very much. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me on. No, it's a, it's a pleasure, mate. I appreciate you taking the time to share your story with our listeners, uh, and um, relatively unknown, but uh, but in, with your with your published book uh, coming out recently yeah. um, called Danyan, uh, mate. I'm I'm excited to be able to share your journey, as I'm sure you're excited with the launch of the book. Must be something you've been Very. incredibly proud to be a part of. Yes, yeah. It's uh, this book has been about five years. In the, in the making but a lifetime uh, I suppose uh, a lifetime in the making but five years of, of, of processing um, so yeah it's been a, it's been a, um, a long road but it's not nice to now finally have it out there in the world da- so da- for da- people that need it do you want to tell us a little bit about um, uh, maybe just give us an idea what, what are some of your hobbies let's let's let the listeners uh, get a feel for what are you interested okay. in um well, I live by the beach, um, so I'm an avid surfer. I, uh, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a professional surfer, but I, uh, but I love getting out there most mornings. 
Uh, I'm a professional photographer as well, fashion photographer, so I'm a CEO, um, and I, uh, I frequent fashion runway events in Brisbane and Melbourne wow. when, when life is normal, I suppose. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I've lived all over Australia, lived uh, over in Europe, I've lived in um, yeah, most, most places down the coast of the east coast of Australia, but I grew up, grew up down south in Sydney um, in Cronulla. So yeah, let's and let's um, talk about that. So tell us what what is it like? What was it like growing up uh, in the southern beaches? Uh, of Sydney in Cronulla, I suppose um, you know surfing, sports, things like that are quite prevalent, especially football. Um, but surfing for me was something um, I loved doing, and out there with all the other surfers, I suppose you know it was it was a little bit rough. Yeah. Um, at school, school was definitely rough, um, but uh, you know it was it was it's sort of like you know if you don't sort of play sport, sometimes you um, can be singled out. Yeah. So uh, especially with football, but um, but you with, know with football, are you talking about rugby league or or rugby league? Soccer? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Rugby league, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was great living by the beach. Cronulla is such a beautiful area. Um, I know now it's, it's overpopulated, but, um, but it was great growing up there. And so the waves are certainly amazing. Um, but it was definitely rough. Like, if you weren't part of a clique or if you weren't part of uh, a team, you do get singled out. And I suppose that happens everywhere. I'm not just singling out Cronulla. This happens yeah. everywhere. Um, but, yeah, you were practically so, born with a, um, I mean, you could ride, I think you said in your book that you wrote, learned to ride a wave before you could spell your own name. I mean, your old right. man, your old man was a, was a really good surfer too, wasn't he? He sure was, yep. And, and so, he was a, yeah, what was yeah, that like so, growing up? Oh, it was amazing. So, you know, it was being a grom and, not, and learning something so amazing, so young, um, and then carrying that on years later it was definitely a gift that I've been given um, that I'm so thankful for um, uh, especially now like having the ocean being there seeing it every day like being with the elements just amazing organically so um, yeah really really thankful to, be, to have me been given that gift so young you know a lot of people don't get that so yeah and and yeah. Dr. so so you grew up um, in, on Silver Beach, which um, mm-hmm. which is one of the main beaches there in in the Shire. Um, mm-hmm. As you, I mean, your memory of primary school was all pretty uh, was all pretty smooth, was it, or was was it was there some um, challenges still in primary school? Yeah, I suppose there's, there's memories because this book is is prevalent to bullying and to. To what happened to uh, it's loosely based on me but it's also loosely based on a lot of other people that struggled in this area and it's probably, it's probably not I'm not just condoning this area at all it's, it's, it happens everywhere but in primary school there was definitely bullying yeah. um, that's why I think education now um, just recently I spoke to a friend of mine and they had this purple day where students had to come to school and wear musty and it was about uh, sex education, about uh, lesbian and gays and things like that. And I'm not sure exactly what goes on behind that, but this parent in particular was, she wasn't going to send her, school, her kid to school that day because it's sort of a sex education that she doesn't want her kid to know about that young. This is so taboo because 
you know, I think kids should be taught about this stuff being young because then they wouldn't bully. Yeah. The bullying, you know, wouldn't exist if they knew about it. If they didn't, if kids don't, kids don't know about things, then they get they get frustrated and they rush out. So, for example, you know, you're asking me about primary school. So back then, there was definitely no education about you know, sort of being gay or anything like that at school. Back then, I certainly didn't really know, um, but uh, I was certainly bullied, and there was other kids that were bullied as well. Um, but, um, but yeah, but it got worse during high school, I can say that. Yeah, so, I mean, bullying is something that, uh, I mean, unfortunately is still so rife in our communities today, but mm-hmm. yeah. uh, especially with the, uh, you know, everything being on digital as well. But tell me, growing growing up, and, and I know this could happen and does happen all over the world, uh, let alone mm-hmm. all over Australia, uh, all too often. Mm-hmm. But tell me as it yeah. relates to your experience, I mean, wh- was it uh, was it physical abuse, emotional abuse? Was it, um, was it fear-driven? Um, t- tell, us, tell us a little bit about your experience. Okay, well, I suppose I can use Daniel in my book completely as, as a premise and a platform for exactly what happened to me. More physical, um, when I got older, I can't, Countless times, how many times I was punched in the face, uh, you know, been my high school formal, I was taken out of the front out of 300 people, one person out of 300 people and was beaten, beaten to a pulp in front of everybody for no reason at all, hadn't prompted anybody. And I'm just, I was just a normal kid, like I look normal, like, you know, there's nothing, it's something, that's what Danian's about, Danian is a special guy. And I'm not saying Danian is, is, is me, that's, again, Danian is, is sort of it's a hit for everybody, but um, but it was more physical. And then when I was actually older, after school, I w- I've been to a few parties where the guys would say, uh, you know what, I'm going to take you out the front and I'd beat the absolute shit out of you. Excuse my French. Yeah. And those words are like, I'm just I'm just here having a good time. This is your friend's birthday as well. I don't understand. I've never met you before. Who are you? And they've just heard through their friends or their cir- circle that that I'm gay or whatever it is they've heard, and so they then therefore go ahead and, and want to use brute violence against me. And those things have, uh, unfortunately, given built complexes in my mind, and they do build complexes in people's minds. And those things don't just go away, like no matter who you talk to. Um, they, they stay inside you, and... Uh, Unfortunately, violence is also read in the brain as pain. Yeah. So, words, words, are, words are sometimes words, words um, that are read in the brain as pain. Violence is definitely, definitely um, read in the brain as pain. But words are worse. But I suppose you know, it's I've been it's been both both words and violence. Words has been the worst thing I think. I mean, the violence, you know, it's I woke up one day in hospital and to know what happened to me. And uh, someone had spiked my drink at a party, and I was 20 minutes from death. So, yeah. and during that time when I was passed out before I had seizures, they'd beaten the beaten the life out of me. Mate, so, it's, it's been so, quite brutal. Yeah, and was it was it wasn't just special events that this was happening. This was happening either after school, some days before school. It mm-hmm. was uh, mm-hmm. so. I mean, it wasn't like uh, I mean. At, at any time is this not acceptable but I mean it was 
I mean, these these sort of beatings and these verbal tirades coming at you were quite regular. And yep, they certainly were. They certainly were. And there was nothing that I'd actually done. I remember I remember once after school, during school, there was this big group of guys and, I don't know, someone had written something on my desk in English class and I sort of, I knew who it was and I went and spoke to him and he automatically said, that's it, we're coming to your street after school. And the amount of people that came to my street after school from my year was ridiculous. There was most of the guys, if not from my year, turned up in my street after after school. And I had a best friend next door who went to a school near mine and he, he knew the guys and went out front and had to tell them, guys, what are you doing? This is stupid. What has Mark done? Sorry, Dakar done. You know, it's just ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah Dakar's just a normal guy. What, 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 what's the issue? And, um, and of course, it was, oh, he's a homo, he's this, he's that. So, um, you know, I mean, oh, you go. You know, one thing is, it's like you know, after all these events, it's sort of unfair for anybody to have to carry around the feeling that you knew that someone was going to harm you. You know, should should anybody have to carry around the fear that that you that you're a target? Like, it, I think it's our right as human beings to never have to deny ourselves the right to feel good about ourselves, and also to um just to have a self esteem. I think we're robbed of freedom of choice when when all this happens and we're stripped of all that. So, yeah. you know, bullies bullies don't discriminate. They don't care who you are or what you're about. I think they just need false bravado and, and, and they build up their ego. Yeah. And, Dakar, was it, was it all on centred on you? Were there other kids at the school, were there other kids in the neighbourhood that were also uh, being subject to the similar things to what you were? Um... There was a few others, but not that I can remember that it was that bad. I mean, there was another kid that sadly lost his mother. And um, he came to our school when he was new. And this is really quite sad, this story. He, he was in primary school. He lost his mother and his father and him moved to the area. And his mother died of cancer. And then he, him and his father moved to the area. And then he was bullied at, at primary school in my year, you know, for being new and things like that. And, and I can remember the teachers saying, you know, please, you know, make him feel welcome and things like that. But he actually lost his life two weeks after being at our school. He was, he had his little bike out the front of his house and, and unfortunately it was a main road and he died. And that two weeks he was at our school, he wasn't treated very well at all. So it's quite a devastating story. We, you know, so. Yeah. Mm. It's... Uh certainly happens all too often and uh, I mean it's at some point I mean even these days uh, you still unfortunately hear about a lot of bullying happening at schools and mm-hmm. um, and starting from a young age um, you know probably similar to, to yours but um, experience but also uh, online as well because you can't get away from this sometimes no I, I don't I honestly don't know Um Sam, if today, if I was to be at school, I don't know if I would have survived yeah. if Facebook and Instagram and all that was around because, I mean, I, I, I really don't like using Facebook as it is. You know, imagine being a kid and having, being defriended or not, other kids liking things. Kids take it, everybody does, not just kids, adults. Adults are taking, take these things to heart. 
um, you know, being defriended, being unfollowed, being being all this where all the other people that they know are being liked or their things are being liked or, you know, I think that's why Facebook or Instagram has taken some things down, some access to those things because kids kids um, really take that to heart, you know, being being pushed into a corner, they're not invited to things or they're not being liked online. It's a double life for them. It's like, you know, well, you didn't you didn't like things like thing on Facebook, but you like this other thing because we don't like you. You know, it's like okay, all right. Well, I honestly don't think I would have survived it. So, I really this is why I'm writing this. I'm writing this book, and I'm, I'm writing more books. I mean, I've got three three manuscripts to um, reach the editor. But you know, it's, I wanted to land in people like this lap so they can know that there is hope out there. Tell me, Dakar, you were brought up by your... Did you, your mum passed away when you were 10? Uh, no, no, no. My mother's still alive. My, my mother's still alive. That's, uh, that's, that's just in the story. Oh, that's in the book. That's, okay. um, that's in the book, yeah. So this, as I said, this has been... This book is not, it's based on a true story, but it's, it's, it's definitely not a memoir. Yeah. It's, um, it's a fictionally based story on... Um, but based on a true story of what of what has happened to me, but what happened to, to other people as well. Um, but me growing up, I, I come from a t- still together parents, and they are still together. And um, and uh, older brother and sister as well. Yes. Um, my brother actually actually was bullied at a school before he went to my school. Um, older brother. Older brother, yeah. yeah. T- tell me, what was, uh, I mean, re- your relationship like with your parents? I mean, growing up, mm-hmm. being the subject of bullying, um, to, I mean, was it something that you kept to yourself or was it something mm-hmm. that they knew about, they could see it was happening, um, were you open about it? Tell me a little bit about that. It was uh, It was definitely really hard to talk to anybody about it. Um, I had, I still had friends. Um, at school and outside of school, but I, um, I definitely didn't talk about it to my parents. And I think to this day, they wish I did because, you know, they, um, they now know how bad it was and they wish that I did reach out and sort of ask for help and say, you know, this is going on, that's going on because bullying has a cycle and that cycle is sometimes you can become the bully and, so you're bullied and then you can take it home and, and take it out on your brother and sister or, or something like that. I'm not saying I did, yeah. but it does have a cycle where you you can then take it out on someone at home or or the reverse, you know? And you don't mean it. You know, you definitely don't mean it at all. But, you know, it it happens. The human body what happens in the subconscious is definitely something that we can't control. We don't know what's happening. And um, and that's, that goes back to what happens to Janian. I mean, he starts blacking out and he doesn't know why. He starts coming off his surfboard and he's pretty surfed the same wake for 16 years. And um, and then he's saved on the beach by someone who's bullied him his whole life. He wakes up, just, you know, this bully giving him mouth to mouth. Um, you know, it's... Uh, Did that he happen- then goes home... And, Sorry? Did that happen to you, Dakar? It did. Yeah, so you were getting blackouts just randomly, weren't you? Yep, absolutely. Just random, didn't know what was going on. And what um, age were you then? I was about 20. 
21. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just dizziness, things like that. And uh, just started completely just dropping to the ground. And, and, and it was um, happening, happening more frequently? It happened a few times and then it would stop. And then there would be a few times in a row where like a couple of weeks would go and and it would, at first I, I took it down to the weather and being less energized and things like that and I just passed out. But, you know, one, one day a lady was walking a dog and I was passed out under a tree and she, and she sort of woke me up and I didn't know, didn't know couldn't, couldn't recollect anything. So I just walked off, you know, so... And, and during this time, brain. you sort of your parents didn't know anything better. You didn't no. really go seek help at that point, did you? No, nothing, nothing at all. And I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable. I thought it was something that would go away. So, and, and then it was enough. something that um, it, it wasn't until you went to a party uh, and someone, as you mentioned earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Tried to spike your drink. Well, they yeah, did, they well, did spike I, I your was, drink. they did, and it was actually years, years later than this. Um, the blackout stopped, um, and then I had been invited to a party where it was a fancy dress party, and so I couldn't really. This is in the book too, and um, so someone had spiked my drink, and. Before that, someone had already said to me, I want to take you out the front and absolutely beat you to a pulp on the street. And that would just shake anyone. Like, oh, I'd fear going to this party, but something had told me. Like, I didn't want to go to this party, but it was one of my really good friends. Yeah. And his brother was a brutally, brutally, just one of the worst bullies you could ever imagine. He was just awful. Um, and I woke up in hospital um, and... Uh, Found out later that I was 20 minutes from death, had a seizure. One of my eyes was the size of a golf ball. So not only did they beat me up, but I was having a seizure at the time. They were beating me up from the drugs that they put in my drink. They tried to kill me. And no one to this day has been caught from that. Um, and nothing was ever pressed because the doctors and the, the, um, the doctors and there was actually a police officer at the hospital. They thought I'd just consume the drugs. And at the time, they they thought I'd deliberately taken these drugs. And at the time, I knew about this drug. This drug was was, um, a drug that is a liquid form of ecstasy. And I've been warned about this drug before because I drink and I enjoy it being like any normal person. And you can't drink on this drug. So I've been told, previously before to never ever have it so I told my friends some of my friends after this I said there's no way that that I had taken this because I knew for years never to take it because I drank and so we approached the bar and asked the videotape and that's when we found that someone had spiked my drink and we they, they, we no, never found out who it was because it was a costume because it was a costume party and no one no one had it uh, you know never went to the police unfortunately but if I'd have died, and unfortunately, um, somebody would have been um, put to blame. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was that was a turning point in my life. Actually, I I, I moved from the Shire from there from after that because that was enough. That was in the balloon burst, and I had to leave because otherwise it was um, 
yeah, it was it. It was it. I was going to take my own life, or somebody else was going to. So, so what? 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 Um, what changed? What changed in you uh, in, at that point? Because you're right. I mean, for uh, and I know common. You know, it's pretty common these days. And uh, you know, for for bullying still to happen, and and for people to get to a point where they feel that mm. way. But tell me what. What changed in you, and and why did what it change? changed in me? Well, I one thing is I moved. I mean, I helped gargantuanly move down to Melbourne, and uh, I found um, solace in other people that I met, and uh, and obviously surfing as well. But what changed in me was probably, you know, I'm I definitely don't. Con- I'm not saying this is that I ran away from myself. I had to run away. I, I had to leave because most of my other good friends had left, and the depression was getting really bad where I was living and and things like that. So, so I moved. But what changed in me after that was the fact that I had found other people that can relate, could relate to my own story out of my own hometown. Um, you know, so many bad memories, so much scars, so many emotional. And physical scars from living where I was that I had to leave, and uh, and then finding solace in other people definitely helped. And, and so was yeah. was it the fact that uh, because when you were in hospital and you had the scans, they found some anom- anomalies on your brain. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And so uh, and that's what triggered some more questions about the psychological trauma, uh, the extreme mm-hmm. psychological trauma that you'd been through. Um, over years of uh, bullying, and mm-hmm. t- tell me, did understanding that, um, tell me what you learnt about that, and and did that play a factor in you being now seeing it or understanding it from that point of view, saying, oh, okay, it wasn't just random blackouts, or I'm, mm-hmm. uh, it's not epilepsy, it's not, it's actually mm-hmm. something that's been brought on by serious traumatic events. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's did did that understanding um, did that help your you um, I guess try and move on and, and understand and live with this in a different in a different place but in a different way. Uh, yeah, it did. It did. Um, it, strangely enough, when when they found these things on my brain, and they they do a thing called a neurological assessment, and a neurological assessment is where they try and figure out what your truths are. So. Um, what words or things like that, and and uh, and strangely enough, it it slowly went away as I got happier, which is proved. Like I, I'm no doctor, but I've definitely seen a lot of them, and it's definitely proof that that what happens internally to you, like I, I may I may may have been bashed and everything like that, but I'm not disfigured. I, I don't have any bru- I don't have anything wrong with my face or my body or anything like that, but. Emotionally, it's it's definitely taking its toll, and so that's kind of what you know. I'm trying to say in this book: is you can't control what happens to you inside. Like, I don't want to. I definitely don't want to say to you know that doctors shouldn't prescribe antidepressants or anything like that, or you know. But I do believe that some people can have other gifts other than being just told you've got uh, paranoid schizophrenia, you've got bipolar, or You've got PTSD, which PTSD is what they thought I had, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is um, which is from years of being bullied and, and suppressing it and, and thinking you know you know it would go away. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, so I suppose, yeah, it's something that, um, that you can't really help. But you know, I, I do think people need to definitely need to see someone if um, if they have any of these symptoms at all, because finding out that that there is something wrong with you, like there is something going on in your brain, and it's not just you brushing it off. But, but yeah, it definitely did help me face demons and face what has happened to me. Yeah, because at that point, uh, I mean, what you were twenty something when you had these scans done, and they were they were saying that it was similar to. Um, you know, dementia patients, wasn't it? Like the pattern mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. brain. Yep, yep. So yeah, they said that there was these flashes that were coming up that were similar to those um, of a dementia, early onset dementia. And this, yeah. So that didn't last. That didn't last at all very long, to be honest. So, so the blackouts were coming on, and so that was memory loss. It was just blacking out, and then there was memory loss. So I didn't know what was coming on before, just before it happened. Yeah. And um, yeah, so. And and Dak, yeah. with you, I mean, you had um, people throwing rocks at your window during the night time when you were trying to mm-hmm. sleep, which probably yeah. attributed to your insomnia as well to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that was that was the worst time of my life, to be honest. Um, these were other kids from other schools that lived around the corner from me and things like that, and and I would because they would do it like the side road of my house that's my bedroom there wasn't a gate or anything so there was you know some nights I, I didn't know whether to expect them or not so anything any breeze of the wind any rustling any kind of anything I'd have my face pressed up against the window thinking that they'd be there and so I wouldn't sleep for days yeah and um it's yeah you know it's uh that was a very painful time very very painful because those guys were very, very, very violent guys, and and just didn't care, had no care at all for anything that they that they did. So I didn't know what they could do, you know. Um, and I was afraid. I was afraid to tell my parents. I was afraid to tell to tell anybody because I don't know. You don't know when you're a teenager. You don't know what's going on, really. You know, you try. You, you think you think you do, but you don't. So, mate, if you could, uh, I mean, if you could go back and re, I know you don't want to live those parts again, but would you do anything differently? Would you tell your parents? Would you seek help Absolutely. earlier? What, what would you, what would you do differently? Uh, I would, I would definitely reach out. I would reach out to whoever you're comfortable with. If it's your family, if it's anybody at all, you know, um, uh, Nobody like. I mean, you know, I changed schools at one point um, and regretted doing that because I should have stayed at the school before that. But I would reach out to anyone I could to help. And you know, cyberbullying is up forty percent at the moment in Australia. Yeah. And I don't know if kids are talking about it or not. But um, you know, I'd be I'd be switching off. Like, I mean, it's hard enough as it is in what's happening at the moment in Victoria. Kids are at home; they're learning online, so yeah. it's, it's, it's probably even it's even harder for them right now, you know. So, but I would definitely reach out. I, that, that was my biggest biggest regret is that I didn't reach out. And Decker, how do you, how do you like? I mean, it's one thing in hindsight now, and having the experience you've unfortunately had to go through um, to know that. But how would you tell a teenager? 
how would you tell a 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old teenager that's going mm-hmm. through it that it's okay to reach out? Because, I mean, we all know uh, what it's like at that time of our life um, to to have the courage but to, um, to, to know that it's going to be okay if you tell someone about it and it's, and it's better to talk about it. How do you mm-hmm. how do you reckon we get what's the some of the solutions you reckon that we can help kids so that they feel comfortable doing it and it's not just something they have to go through an experience and in reflection understand that they probably should should have gone and told somebody back when it happened I think I think it's also the responsibility of educators as well if you're asking me about if, you know if this is a young person if we're talking about kids at high school for example Educators have a um, are definitely a responsibility as well to to notice signs and to notice who are the kids that that could be going through these things that could be the targets who are the targets you know they definitely have have a responsibility there and um, but then again it's it's also the the kids' responsibility to it's their prerogative to whether or not they want to to reach back out um, it's definitely a tough question I mean. Not just the the minorities. It's just like you know, there's there's there's, there's kids that, that play football. There's kids that, that are that are in included in these cliques that that um that, that are going through these things too. I suppose they could be bullied in the household. Yeah. They could be being bullied at home, and the teachers at school wouldn't know. And they definitely, you know, don't have their. They might not have their 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 ego themselves. They they you know they they might even be the bullies at school. You know that that's that's what goes on. That's what went on with me, and that's what that's what goes on with Daniel in my book as well. It's like you know this one guy, this poor girl. Uh, actually, she was an Islander girl at school, and she was beaten up by her father, clipped around the ears every day, every night, and she was deaf. And uh, unfortunately, she she hung herself in a closet one morning before school. Because she was bullied at school because she had a hearing aid, yeah. and um, so you know, I mean, she was in a. It's very sad, and she was in a. Me and a friend of mine used to meet her before school, and um, for some reason, I think you know, for a bit there, we 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 took it on because we um, just all of a sudden didn't see her anymore, and yeah. it's like you know, and then that day at school when we were told this other guy, I never forget it, this other guy said, "Oh, it's okay, she was deaf anyway." It's like, how can you say that? Yeah. Like, how can you say that when someone just kills themselves because, probably because of you, yeah. telling them that they're deaf and, you know, like, it's just terrible. I don't know how brutal and, and how awful kids are, you know, these days, but I'm sure I was saying that cyberbullying up is up 40% online. That's, that's factual there, right there. So, and the statistics of suicide are pretty bad, but... It's um, it's actually at a more from thirteen, thirteen to thirteen years of age to twenty five is the highest rate of suicide in Australia, and cancer. I think it's the highest cause of death. Yeah. So there is a lot of people out there that should be keeping their eye open, our eye out for kids. T- tell us, do you think the, the screening tools? I mean, do you think the education and awareness for teachers and community leaders, parents? Do you think it's better than what it was back in the day when you were growing up and subject to the bullying? Uh, I think so. I think I think so. I mean, this, um, as I mentioned before, 
having the education of um, there's more gay parents and things these days and I suppose more parents are educating their children earlier so they're more aware of it and they don't I mean my my, my experience was more like sexuality um, attack more than anything um, and also because I didn't play sport I was you know a drama music student and a surfing and swimming student um, and uh, but yeah I mean these days, I think it is different. I think education is beginning, but it's it's also it's got to be up to the parents as well to educate them. And as I as I said to you, I said, you know, one of my friends that that refused her kid to go to school that day, I actually said to her, I said, well, you're actually reading this the wrong way because the the teachers are trying to educate the kids so they don't grow up and bully other children for being gay or being a lesbian or being bisexual or trans or wanting to be a, a, a girl or a boy and then, and then no, you know, transgender people or, or whatever. But they're trying to, they are trying to educate this at, at an early age. And she took it at, that, well, no, they're trying to sexually educate my child too young. So it's their prerogative, I suppose, but that child is, 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 being, is then being withdrawn from education. You know, like we live in a world where we have to respect each other when we are, you know. Um, Everyone has to respect each other's values and, and needs, and res- and respect each other in general. So you know, it's, um, it definitely has changed since I was a kid. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, well, uh, and unfortunately, it's still rife out there, and uh, it is. I mean, and it's- we don't know what the solution is, but definitely, I think mm-hmm. that awareness and education from every aspect um, and people looking out for each other, like just genuinely taking care and interest in each other. And I mean, man, it's just so sad that, that people are getting picked on because of the sport they don't play or the, the things that they choose to do with their time with hobbies or whatever it is. Um, I mean, it's just so sad. It is. It is. And you've just called it right there. It's like, no matter what you, everyone has their own interests. Everyone has a gift. And that's what I, my mission is as a writer is to get, is to make people realize individually that it doesn't matter if you're bad at football or if you're bad at, you know, because this book is, is mainly in the, the premise of, you know, ages 15 to 25, really, or 15 and above because it's sort of circulated around a, a guy that was 20 years of age. Yeah. Um, because you don't do something well, but you do something else really well. You shouldn't be judged, judged, judged on that at all. No, like you, you've got a gift for something, so go for it. Um, so you, you've absolutely nailed it, and support should be there for that person to pursue that and not and not disrespected for it. Hundred percent. So, so Ducky, you moved to you moved to Melbourne uh, shortly after your incident. Um, mm-hmm. Tell tell us what happened from there. From there, life blossomed really. Um, I um, I met some great people that were like-minded people. Um, I then a few years after that moved over and lived in uh, Amsterdam and lived in London. Just uh, travelled all through Europe um, and uh, you know, it's um, I think I think you just I, I I had to make a decision to to either be continue on this with this depression and, and whatever or get out. And um and as as I said, I don't condone running away from, from anything. But in this case I, I I I did move and it helped. 
it definitely helped. Starting again um, helped, and, um, and just being a, a clean slate, being on a clean slate. Um, so from there, yeah, I went to live in Europe, and now I'm back living on the east coast. Yeah. of Australia and just loving the surf and loving my life really I've, um, writing has been very therapeutic actually um, I've, my parents bought me a typewriter when I was 10 years old in year 5 and I've been writing ever since so it's, uh, now, it's now nice finally to have a book out there and I've, um, I definitely have more to come and you know they all will have this sort of theme in them where I want you know I want, I want to help people yeah. So, you know, and that takes going through something so brutal um, that only you, that only that person knows about, you know, like to to be able to help people. So, since yeah. since your diagnosis, uh, what did you? What things were you doing to get better? To stop the blackouts? To stop the anxiety? Mm. Um, um, wow. Well, yeah, I started surfing a whole lot more. <laughs> um, I started exercising um, and just changing lifestyle choices, really. So, you know, there was addictions there. There was other things there that weren't a big deal. They weren't that bad, but um, they certainly needed addressing. Um, I've seen doctors that since then, that was a long time ago, and everything has been is completely fine. I've got no diagnosis at all of any sort of mental illness. But, um, but you know, I certainly am aware of people that I've got friends that have it, have have them, and um, and are dealing with them in certain ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I do believe in changing lifestyle choices as as you know, as opposed to medication, things like that. So seems to have worked well for you. Certainly, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, exercise and, and just find you know finding a social outlet that isn't isn't detrimental to your health. That isn't going to cause more drama for you. That isn't just causing that that snowball to just just you know spiral out of control. Things like that. How long has it been since you've been to Cronulla? Oh, since Cronulla, I've, I've been back there couple of times in about 10 years okay um and uh you know it's actually in my book i used as an example um I, I did bump into a few people that used to that were the last time i saw them there they, they were laying their fists into my face and then they came running up to me going oh my god it's so good to see you look at you you know and i'm like you know being an adult i of course you know talked back to them but and was completely nice to them but inside I was raging yeah. I was like going how can you not know that you 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 literally have um, have a huge huge impact on my past and who I am today um, but I had to address those things you know but seeing them again I suppose was also a closure too yeah. um, regardless of the rage inside me going are you serious like you were you brutally bashed my face in um, 15 years ago, and now you want to talk to me and be friends with me. But of course, you know, being an adult, I moved on and, and spoke to the person. Didn't bring it up, um, and um, and from there, I suppose I did have a little bit of closure. Yeah. But 
it didn't make sense to me. It still doesn't make sense to me because, you know, those those people, that, that person, you know, didn't go through that or maybe they did. They went through it in, in another another form and they came out the other side all right and didn't realize that, that their fist laying into me was, was, um, was them being the, maybe, you know, the bully because they had to, you know. But for me, it was definitely it took a long time to to let that anger go. Yeah, so, because I mean, yeah, but you, you, you mean, you, yeah, you'd be sort of sitting there thinking, you know, it's it's confusing because part of you, like you said, would be like, well, hang on, the last time we saw each other, you were uh, you were physically abusing me, uh, and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden they've done some growing up in that time. Um, do you mm-hmm. ever wonder? If it's if they've made peace with themselves, do you ever wonder uh, how they uh, are going these days? And if they've had to, like, it, as far as the perpetrator of the bullying, have you ever? Mm. Is that something that goes through your mind at all? Yeah, no, absolutely. Now that I I have addressed so many issues and grown myself and want to become a mental health ambassador, I have to think of all these things. You have to think of every single thing, not just the bully, but the bully. The bullied, the bullied, and the bully. You know, it's like there's something that's going on there with both of them. You know, so this this gentleman in particular, who I did see, he 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 had changed. I could see that he changed, uh, like you know, two hundred percent. You could tell in his smile. You can tell in the way he was, and, and you know, being being a teenager and an adult are two different things. Um. So I did respect that. That's why I didn't bring it up because it was like, you know, it may have hurt me years ago, um, but, you know, sometimes you do sort of have to move on eventually. Yeah. But um, but it still does hurt. You can't, you can't ever forget that. So that's why no matter what, you know, education really needs to start early. I was going to say, what, what other tools do you think uh, that we should be doing to help perpetrators like people – Kids, young adults who uh, are, mm-hmm. are still doing these things today. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think we should be doing? And out of the things that are out there, what do you think works? Uh, look, there's a number, there's so many organisations now, which is great. I mean, if that's another thing I didn't have when I was when I was younger. I mean, I'm, I'm only in my thirties, my thirties now. So, um, you know, I definitely just think that. Uh, you know, there's a whole range of things that kids are doing. I mean, video games, for example, like there's so much violence in video games. Um, but then there's also, you know, camaraderie and team team building and things like that. But I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's, I suppose it just comes back to education, really. Yeah. You know, that's all I can say is, is having leadership like me, for example. I mean, I've 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 come out the other side okay. I've had a lot to go through. But I've come out the other side okay, and now I'm able to address these things and talk about them and and um and convey them to people that that need it, that need to hear that you don't want to spend the next fifteen years of your life or the next ten years of your life going through pain inside you from what happened to you at school or after school, you know, um, the adult world because bullying doesn't, as you know, does not stop at school. It, it, it seeps its way into adulthood, and it's actually worse in adulthood. It just it becomes words. Um, but you know, it's, uh, you know, yeah, I suppose having people like myself, like role models, you know, that, that can, they can speak to, to 
and um, and and show that that you know oh it's 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 inspired people you know yeah. I I know I know myself like I've inspired a few people in my life from what's happened to me to who I am now definitely you know and it's it's it's, it's, it's I'm not saying this is as modest as I can say it it's rewarding it really is rewarding to be able to say that you've you've, you've been through this and now you can remember I remember every single day of pain every single day I remember the days when I wanted to end it and the days that I, that I had no one to talk to I should have talked to my parents should have talked to this person but but now I, I can say that you know I can remember them, but I can still I still made it, I yeah. survived. Yeah, and, and mate, you've uh, made a very good point there. People with a lived experience or living experience of any mm-hmm. mental ill health, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so crucial part of the yeah. um, the solution and. Uh, and getting out there, helping create that awareness, that the education, um, because people resonate so well, they do. Um, and they're like-minded, and they they understand they understand um, mm-hmm. because you've been through something similar. So, I, I think there's such a big role that this has to play moving forward, and and the role it seems to be uh, seems to be getting included a lot more in many boards, mm. many committees, um, a lot of things shaping, Absolutely. which is the way we need to go. Tell us about mm. what, what is, uh, the future hold for you? Tell me, Daka, where, what your hopes are now that you've, you've written a book and a great book. I'm only halfway through it, but it's great so far. Tell me Thank about, you very much. tell me about what the future holds for you. Well, the future for me, I guess, is I continually write. I've got um, one, two more manuscripts, one that's ready and another one that I'm going through. I um, I want to be a role model for, for young people and for, for mental health. I want to, I mean, if you, you know, uh, especially for gay people, like I, if you looked at me, you wouldn't even know that I'm gay. You wouldn't even know it. Like I've got long blonde hair, I surf, you know, every day. And that's what I want to sort of to convey to young people to be a role model. I want to become a role model for young people or for anyone that's up to mental health because you can be anybody, anybody at all. As if some people do look at people and think they're they're a brick, they're made of stone, and um, no one is made of stone unless you know you're um, the rock or someone. I don't know, but um, I definitely want to become a voice for the suffering, and I want to provide hope. And that's, that's the main idea for this book, Danian. Danian, Danian suffers quite a bit in this book, as you know. And uh, I've used a lot of different tools, like magic reels and things, to, to convey um, that he does have a gift, and that you need to find your gift and and whatever that may be, and use it. And remember that you you're on this earth for a reason. So. There is something inside you that, that you're here for. You're not just here for nothing. Everyone has is here for a reason, I believe. And suicide prevention is um, is my biggest biggest concern, 100. percent I don't believe. I think suicide, the rates that, that as we just discussed, are just awful. And just you know, having that, having that, just thinking of, of the times that I've I've been there. You know, it's like it's, it's, how could why are you there? But, you know that moment, that very very last moment that person takes their last breath. You know what is it? What is it that pushed them? You know, like I, I really want to change it. 
I want to change it and get really into the nitty gritty of of stopping them getting to that point because it really, really um, is something I'm passionate about. So. Well, it's obvious, uh, Daka, that you're passionate. You can tell, uh, I mean, the book that you've written is, is outstanding. Uh, how can people get a copy of it? How, or how can they get in touch with you? Um, so my book is for sale now. Danyan uh, is for sale on Barnes & Noble and Amazon Australia, Amazon US, and it will be in bookstores um, moving forward. So you can grab a copy um, from Amazon AU or... Um, and then in New Zealand as well, um, get a paperback because it's always nice to have something to read and keep, keep, um, and to have something in your hand. It's a beautiful bound book, and you know, as I said, the surfing as the background is my, as being my solace. Um, you know, it's something that I want people to remember is that you've got, you've got to find solace in something. So you can get my book from from those places, and I've also got a website www com. you can reach out to me anytime um, and uh, and I, I'm um, definitely moving forward with being an ambassador for mental health and uh, and would, would definitely have open arms to anybody. Dakar, I think it's great uh, that you've um, had the courage uh, uh, to come, uh, to, well, to firstly write your book and tell your story, but secondly, mm-hmm. to also put yourself out there and, and help others. I mean, it's such a... A selfless thing to do that um, mm-hmm. I mean clearly you've inspired many already but I'm sure you will continue to do that as well a question one of the last questions I have for you is who who's someone that's inspired you in your life who's someone that's kept you going or that's really helped you on your journey someone that's helped me um, this is a this is a <laughs> I suppose oh, I'm a, I play guitar and I sing so I've got a thing of it really, you know, I look at, I look to, to stories of surviving rock stars, I suppose. Um, uh, you know, like someone like Stevie Nicks, for example, mm-hmm. she is still touring. Fleetwood Mac is still touring. They are, um, they are someone who has, who survived a hell of a lot. Yeah. And, um, they're very inspiring to me because they would, they, they were one, once nobody. And um, you know they made this they'll tour till they die. So to me, Stevie Nicks is someone who, who writes her own songs. She's she she's a poet, and uh, she um, she doesn't stop. You know she doesn't stop. So yeah. Also, you know, there's people like in Australia, like uh, I suppose you know Ian Thorpe, things like that. He's someone that that's um, that's coming out the other side. There's a whole bunch of other people, yeah. you know, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, Stevie Nicks is great. Uh, Thorpe, yeah. Pedro, great. Uh, I mean, what, what great role models and um, great music there from Stevie. Mm-hmm. Uh, mate, is there anything you want to share in closing uh, to round out the, the podcast? Anything you want to mention? Um, I would like to thank you, Sam, for inviting me on. Your organisation is actually doing so much for, for exactly what we're talking about. Um, Australian New Zealand Mental Health Association is just so good and is growing. Um, and I'd just like to, to practically say, you know, I'd really like to, to, to read my book. There's a lot of books. 
that are out there at the moment, non-fiction books about mental health. There's a lot of stories um, being told in other fictional books at the moment with, you know, the same sort of topics. But, you know, they, they go different ways. And Damien's story is, uh, is something a little bit different because it does focus on what actually happens in the mind and what can happen in the mind when you're bullied. You know, you, you can't control what happens to you. So, you know, he starts like he starts having visions. Um, doctors tell him he's got, he starts, you know, skating down the street, seeing, thinking that the windows of the houses are looking at him. You know, he, he thinks that the whole town is against him and, and, and he's led, has to follow these breadcrumbs until he, until he, until, um, you know, he finds not a hope. And I don't want to spoiler alert, but at, you know, I don't want to give too much away. It's such a great book. Again, I'm already as modest as I can. But it took five years for me to write this book, and it was painful to revisit some of the things that I've I've had to go through and talk about suicides of, of, of the people that have died, and um, and also you know the parallel story that I used with the war about how man, you know, just basically how mankind has treated each other in the past. That's the whole book's about, and that's where it's going more say is like it's like you know be kind be careful what you say to each other because that one thing you say can really really end someone's life that one sentence you say you don't even know what that person's going through so Uh, well well said well said mate and uh and they're great words uh and the the book is uh certainly doing doing that so uh it's Mm -hmm. great to have uh, have that story out there so people um can read it, feel inspired, and and hopefully mm-hmm. we can start to change. Um, Absolutely, you know, too many people. Hope is the outlook. Hope is definitely the the main agenda here, isn't it, Sam? It's just um, that's my mission of hope. Well, Daka, thanks very much for your time. We appreciate it, and uh, thanks for sharing your story with our listeners. And mate, we look forward to uh, hearing more about you in the future. And and keep it keep it up. Thanks so much, Sam. That's great. Thank you for having me. Is there someone working in mental health who you'd like to be featured on the podcast? Are there more questions you want the answers to? Let us know what you want to hear. Get in touch with us by emailing any podcast suggestions to membership at anzmh.asn.au and be sure to stay up to date on our socials at ANZMHA on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to sharing our next conversation.